Jesus, fill us with your wonder today. Fill us with your presence, God. Fill us with your heart. Fill us with your love. May we sense your peace and your presence, God. May we sense your power in our lives. No matter what we face, God, you are with us. You are stronger than any problem. You are stronger than anything that we face today. God, I thank you for every heart in this place. I thank you for your forgiveness for all the believers in this room today. I thank you, Father, that we have been given the grace and mercy, God, that you forgive us of our sins, past, present, future, God, that we can be um, in your hand, in your care, forgiven, loved, Father, I pray, too, in this place, I thank you for every coat that was brought today. And Father, we don't worship the gift of, or the giver that we bring it. We worship what you're going to do with the gifts we bring. And so, Father, I ask your blessing upon every coat, every person that that will warm this winter, that you will be with them and watch over them, and they will know your love. Father, we pray for protection. We know that faith is what casts out fear, and your perfect love casts out fear. And so today, show us that, Father. Show us what it is to healthily know you and to fear you. To give you our all, to give you our best. So may your presence continue to fill our lives. May your presence speak to us through your word today. It will change our faith. It will change who we are. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you. Didn't the kids do a great job? They're not kids. They're young people. Yeah. Amen. We are blessed. We are blessed. That is for sure to have young people with the gifts that God has given them. And uh, man, I really appreciate the work they put in, Josh, the work to prepare them. And um, it's always great to hear their hearts come through as they worship and lead. And uh, we are very thankful for them today. I'm glad you're in here, everyone, for Worship Together weekend. Um, we have been in this series called No Fear. And uh, we're going to talk about fear one last time today. Um, when I was younger, um, I had a good friend in the neighborhood, and um, he had a big enough yard, a big enough piece of land where his house was, that his family and, and he owned motorcycles and four-wheelers. And so obviously, um, you know, we would find time to go and enjoy those sometimes in his big front yard. And I can remember riding some of those the first time. I was like, whoa, this is wild. Never experienced anything like that in my life before. To ride a motorcycle in an open, open field like that, to take up these big hills with a big four-wheeler. I never experienced anything like that. But I remember one particular day, um, I, I've talked about my friend before. Uh, he, he, he has a little crazy side to him, a little wild side to him. 
And I can remember one particular day we were riding one of his bigger motorcycles and he was actually the one driving and I was riding on the back, the same motorcycle. And he had that look in his eye. And I knew that we were about to do some things we probably shouldn't do on the motorcycle. And I can remember in that moment just having this just fear (laughs) that like, this is not going to be good. And so, sure enough, my friend, he begins to, we take one jump, the next jump's got to be bigger. So finally, we take this one humongous jump. And remember, I'm on the back. And it's such a big jump that we literally go so high and so far that he completely lost control of the motorcycle. I slide off the back, end up hitting the rear tire and going off, and he crashes with the whole motorcycle. Now, there's not a lot to that story except stupidity. And he did end up with a pretty good concussion out of the deal. I had a few scrapes. But in that moment, man, I can remember just having fear. This is not good. The moment we take the jump, man, in the middle of the jump, I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. And I think about that story as we have young people in today. When we're younger, what? We, we generally have more, more guts than brains, and we do things we would never dream of doing now. And that brings me to the question this morning is this. Is fear a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing? Is fear a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing? And I think the answer to that question is it depends on what we're afraid of. Depends on what we're afraid of, because healthy fear is essential for our survival. As a human being, we need that. We should, in this story that I share with you, we should have been a lot more careful. We should have been a lot more afraid of taking those risky jumps than we had the sense to be. However, there are rational fears, there are irrational fears. There are healthy fears, unhealthy fears. And we've been talking about this no fear, and when we think about that and how only faith in God can conquer our fears, I think we have to come to the question, what is a healthy fear and what is a healthy fear of God? You see, the commands to fear not, young people, appears far more often in the Bible than any other command. And fear, as we know, is the opposite of faith. A gentleman by the name of G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. Uh, One fear cures another. And when man's terror scares you, turn your thought to the wrath of God. Whoa. When I thought about that, I'm like, you know what? Anytime I fear anything more than I fear God, I am not believing the God in the Bible. I'm not believing the God in the Bible. I am not believing in the one who came to save. That is why the command, fear not, is in his word so regularly. And here's the point. The more seriously that we take God, the less seriously we'll take everything else. The more seriously that we take God, faith comes in, and and faith in God is the antidote to fear. You see, when we talk about the fear of God, there's a difference between a healthy and an unhealthy fear of God. 
Let me take you through some scriptures this morning. First of all, Proverbs 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, the fear of the Lord is the starting point. It is the launching pad of knowledge. It is where we must begin. And I think if we all are honest in this place, no matter our age, we want that. We desire knowledge. We desire wisdom. We desire to be in God's will. We desire to know him. And that's where we must begin. But what does it mean to fear God? Well, when we look in Exodus chapter 20, God is here on Mount Sinai. He's speaking to the nation of Israel. He's giving them what we know as the Ten Commandments. And hearing God speak, it must have been a very terrifying experience because as we see from the scripture, beginning in verse 18, look with me. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God even speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And so Moses is saying, hey, listen, don't be afraid of God because he's appearing to you this way so that you will fear him in a healthy way, that you will fear him in the way that you should because there is an appropriate and an inappropriate fear of God, a healthy fear of God, an unhealthy fear of God. The reason this is so important today is I believe in the church and I believe for so many of us we don't fear God and we sure don't fear him in a healthy way. I want to show you the healthy picture of the fear and love of God. You have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. Obviously, here earlier in this passage, it's talking about obviously because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we know God, He loves us. And then picking up in verse 16, he says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Because God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So here in this word that we see here, perfect love casts out fear. In other words, as we talked about all this series, is that we should not fear the future. We should not fear commitment. We should not fear loneliness. We should not fear failure. But we should have a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of God. Because if we fear God, we will fear nothing else. He is the only thing worthy of our fear. 
The fear of God, now let me help you understand, young people, it's not a cowering thing, it's not a scared thing, it is not a tucking our tail between our legs and running away. No, it's an understanding of who God is and what he's come to do for you and how much he loves you, how much he wants you to walk with him with all of your heart. He wants us to fear him, but in a healthy fear. So how do we do that? A few things this morning. First of all, I think we must really recognize who God is. You and I must really recognize who God is. Young people, God is not something that you just show up to church and you think about. God is someone and something that you think about every day. Every decision that you make, every choice that you make, everything that you do, you are thinking about God through that. Some people, obviously, when you try to define God, it becomes a very difficult thing to do. Because there's so many elements, there's so many characteristics of God that we don't want to forget or we don't want to miss. But let me give you a very simple working definition today. Who is God? God is the supreme being, the creator and ruler of all that is. The self-existent one who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. We must tell God who he is. What are you talking about, Russ? God knows who he is. Why do we need to tell him that? Does God sit there and be like, hey, hey, well, I didn't realize I was God. I didn't realize I made the heavens and the earth. I didn't realize that I sent Jesus down the cross for your sins. I didn't realize that. Thank you. No, he doesn't. God doesn't need that. But guess what? We do. We need that. I need that. Because when you and I, when we regularly recognize who God is, when we recognize who he is and call on his name, tell him in his greatness who he is, tell him about his characteristics, he doesn't need to know it, but I do because my pride will take a ride somewhere else. My ego melts whenever I truly give God the glory. That is why we come to church. That is why we do the things we do. That is why we worship the way we worship. Why? So that our ego will melt. And we will truly recognize who God is. He is God. I am not. Because you see, in every one of us in this place, we are all sinners. We are all sinners saved by grace. And if left unchecked, I will go south. You will go south. If I don't regularly recognize who God is, if I don't give him the significance he deserves, suddenly, before we know it, I think I am God. You think you are God without even knowing it. We have this problem in America today, in this place, in this world, where we think we are worshiping God and we are worshiping the God of the universe called me. you and a lot of people I meet these days think they are that they don't say it but they don't regularly recognize who the real God is they say things like 
I call the shots, man. I've got my life under control. I, I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've made the money. I'm in charge. I will determine my own destiny. I will forge my future. I am God. And we're missing it. We must recognize who God is because then and only then will we begin to have a healthy fear. Only then, once we recognize who God is, will we discern and recognize a healthy balance between love and fear. You see, in life, there are certain things that are inseparably linked. Things like peanut butter and jelly. Things like chips and queso. And then there are things like the Tennessee Vols and losing right now. Y'all wondering when I was going to work that in, didn't you? It's pretty bad I wrote this days ago, and I knew that was going to happen. Go Cats, go Cats. I'll take my two times in 33 years, though. But there are things that are inseparable, things like that. And let me tell you, so inseparably linked, and the same is true for love and fear. I'm thankful that my God loves me. I'm so thankful that his love is perfected in what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross and died for our sins. But he's also a holy God that we sing about today. And Psalm 33, 18 reminds us, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Psalm 118, 4, Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. Fear and love, and fear and love are balanced. A lot of us have this out of balance. You see, some of us are wired to be more on the fear side. Others of us are wired to be more on the love side. And we have to be careful because we, if we don't recognize who God is and we don't recognize the balance between fear and love, if we fall too far on the fear side, we will become legalistic. And Christianity becomes a bunch of rituals and regulations, and that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is not a legalistic trip. It is a relationship. Young people, please understand that if you don't hear anything else today, following Christ is a relationship. It is not a check the box. It is not a just get baptized, even though that is a great outward picture of what's already happened in your heart. And we're commanded to do it. But let's not just get baptized because people want to be baptized. Let's get baptized because of what's happened in our heart. And it's a relationship with the Almighty God who saved us. But on the other side, if we're too far on the left side, we end up messing up. We think God loves us unconditionally. And with that, what tends to happen is sometimes it doesn't matter how we live. We say, oh, God loves us. He's already forgiven us. We can do what we want. And what happens is when we're on that love side too far, we get all lackadaisical and we just cruise in our relationship. And that's not it. It has to be the perfect balance of fear and love. And I'm thankful that as we abide in him, as the rest of that passage talks about, God perfects that. I recognize who God is. I understand that God is God and I am not. 
What a journey when we get that. What a journey when we realize that every blessing comes from God. What a journey when we realize that, man, just every breath that I breathe is by the hand of God. There's another part of this that's harder for some of us to understand. And it's that we must be also accountable to God. We must be accountable to God. Who loves tax time? Besides the CPAs in the room. Nobody loves tax time. Why is it the day that we love to hate? April the 15th every year or so. Because that is the moment that we come clean to our government. That is the moment that we come clean in our finances and how that's happened. And you know what? We can try to file extensions. We can go through a number of flips and, and all kinds of things, a log of rigmarole. But at the end of the day, we are going to have to face the music. Can I tell you that God in his economy has an April 15th? He has a day of accountability. As we think about taxes, April 15th financially, it influences how we spend our money. It influences how we live and invest our money. But God's April 15th, that day of accountability, it better have a big influence on how you spend and invest the life that he's given you. Because the Bible says that one day we will stand before him and you and I will have to give an account of every word spoken, every thought processed, every deed done. That's humbling. If you are a Christ follower in this place, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you will have to give an account before God, and we are not referring to punishment here. Our punishment was taken on the shoulders of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Our sins were forgiven and forgotten, past, present, and future. But what we are talking about here is a healthy accountability. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. You then, who do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I don't tell you that to scare you today. I do not tell you that to put fear in you. But I tell you that because someone needs to be making sure we're as a pastor of churches telling people that there is going to be a day of accountability to God Almighty. And this healthy accountability, I hope, is what motivates us in his love to live a pure and holy life. Yes, we still mess up. Yes, we blow it. Yes, we strike out. But you know what? As I walk in his love and forgiveness, I am thinking about that accountability. Hebrews 12 says, 
Verse 6, the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. I don't know about you, but I love my children like no words can explain. But I love them enough to discipline them. And God is no different. God disciplines those of us who are in his family. And the moment we become Christ followers, we are adopted into the family of God. We are born into his family. And God is our father. And he is the perfect heavenly father that balances fear and love. And he will discipline you and he will discipline me when we get out of his will. Discipline is correction driven by love. And so here's what I want to remind you in that today. If God has gifted you, and he has, if you are a child of God, he has gifted you. He has gifted you to serve him in so many different ways. And if you have that gift and you do not serve him and you do not use it, and the same for me, we will get discipline in that. If I know that I'm, I'm supposed to do something in, in God's will, if I know this is what I'm supposed to do to obey him, and I do not do that, I will get disciplined in that. This is why we must live a life reflective of God's character, because we should not and won't, do not want to disappoint him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and look at God on, in a sense, his April 15th day for me and say you know what I tried I was involved in a lot I was busy I was doing a lot of stuff but I tried and God looks at me and in that moment I have that feeling of regret I hope that you think about that not because we fear this God in a way that he is up there and he wants to just boom. No, he doesn't. But he doesn't want us to have a life that's ridiculed with regret. Do you want the best for your marriage, the best for your children, the best for your life? Do you want the best? Then recognize who God is. Be accountable to God. Remember what Moses said in Exodus 20, 20? He said, do not be afraid because God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That is about his love. That is about our recognition of him, and that is about accountability. And that leads me to this, lastly. Is that we have to be willing to follow God's game plan for our lives. We have to be willing to follow God's game plan for our lives. This willingness to obey, to do what he says. Real quick, the most powerful man financially that we know of in, biblical, in the Bible in biblical times was in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Solomon. For 40 years, he tested the power and pleasures and possessions like none of us ever will. I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care how much you got in 401k or investments or anything else. You will never experience the wealth that Solomon did. As a matter of fact, if Solomon constructed his house today, it would cost over $200 billion. 
This guy had it all. But after burning up four decades of his life, being an older man, he looked back in the rearview mirror. And I want you to see the words that he penned in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. He says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. He said, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Wow. Here's a guy who had it all, and he gets to the end of his life, and he's like, man, I missed all of this. And really in this verse, boom, this is God's game plan for us. This is God's game plan that we fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And so here, here's the question. Are you going by God's game plan? Or are you going by your game plan? Are you going by God's game plan? Or are you going by the world's game plan? Because God simply wants willing warriors. He wants people who say, God, I want to do it your way. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a little God ruling over a universe called me. You are God. I am not. And I will hit all cylinders when I do it your way, God. I will give it my all. I want to do what you want me to do. And here's the thing. We don't know. If we don't know God's game plan, it's hard to live it, isn't it? Where is his game plan revealed to us? In his word. In his living word. I talk to so many people who are like, man, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to handle this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I don't, I don't even know if God's real or he's, he's not speaking to me right now. And I've talked to you about this before, but like most of the time when people ask those questions, guess what? They haven't read the word at all. I'm thankful as I stand here today that on Sundays, Wednesday nights, other nights of the weeks, we've got over 106 adults in Highland Hills involved in either life groups, journey classes, or pathway classes. Over 106. That's incredible. But we have more than 106 here on this campus. We've got, it excites me to know that we have over 68 students and children on this campus weekly growing and understanding God's game plan for their lives. All of us who show up on these weekends, every, every weekend, right here at Highland Hills, just to hear what God has to say, that shows me that we want to know God's game plan. And my encouragement to you, if, that, if, 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 if you need to take a step there, do so. Well, Russ, that's all great and all, but what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What will happen if I do this? I just want to close with really fast five healthy benefits that comes from having a healthy fear of God. And it's straight from Scripture. The five benefits, first thing is God will give you direction in your life. These are not going to be on the screen. God will give you direction in your life. 
Psalm 25, 12, these will, the scriptures will be. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Because he will instruct him in the way he should choose. You want direction in your life? Get in his word. Get in his game plan. Know what he wants for your life. A second benefit is he will have compassion over you. Psalm 103.13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Healthy fear. We want compassion in our life, don't we, from God our Father. What else? Blessings. Blessings in our lives. Proverbs 22.4, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches, honor, and life. We want to be blessed. And not in a, a health, wealth, prosperity way. We want to just be blessed. We want to know that we're walking in the will of God. And so when we have this healthy fear, he promises that we will have riches, honor, and life. What else? Contentment. We will have contentment. Psalm 34, 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is what? No want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Wow. Contentment. We need this more than ever in our world. And then one more the benefit that we get is maturity. Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he will make them know his covenant. There's nothing more powerful than growing in him, walking with him, knowing his game plan. The most basic instinct is the instinct of fear. I remind you that, folks, we're to have the only fear we should have is this healthy fear of God. And when we do, we will see God's will and his power lived out in and through our lives. Now, some of us here this morning, we are not in the game. Some of us here have no idea about a game plan. We think we're in the game, but we're in the parking lot. We're saying to ourselves, well, I thought I was in the game, but I guess I'm not in the game. I remind you again that Christianity is, is a decision, but it's a decision that's also followed by a process. You don't just join the process. For those of you that may not know Christ in this place... Very quickly, to become a Christian, you have to know four things. First of all, you have to understand that God unconditionally loves you. We matter to God. We don't deserve it, but God loves us. He loves you. Second, we have all blown it. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin separates us from God. It causes a gap between us and God's game plan. That gap is what puts us in the parking lot. Third, God took the initiative for us, for you. 
He sent Christ to die on the cross for all of our transgressions so that we could be saved. And fourth, it's your call. Whether you walk through the turnstile to get in the game or you don't, it's your call. We are creatures in the image of God. Thus we have freedom of choice. The question is, is what have you chosen? And what are you choosing? Are you choosing to have a relationship with the God Almighty? Jesus, the one who bore your sins on the cross and died for you. Holy God, that we are such filled with sin when we enter this world. That we needed that gap to be closed by Christ. So that we could come out of the parking lot and get in the game. Where are you today? And if you're a believer today, are you in the game? Or is the game you? I want to ask you to bow your heads. Young people, all people all over this room. Some of you here today, you need to make that call. Some of you here today, you need to make that choice. What is it going to be? Are you willing to follow the Lord? Are you willing to give your life to him? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to get out of the parking lot? Be used of him. Some of you are holding on to me. You. It's time that you give your life to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's calling you to himself. He loves you and he wants you to be saved. Step over from death to life today. Maybe today there are some of you that are struggling with a healthy fear of God. Do you recognize the lordship of him in your life? What about that day of accountability? What is God going to say? You don't have to continue down the road you are. He's calling you to repentance today. If that's what you need in this place. Are you truly following God's game plan for your life? God loves you so much that to leave you right where you are. I can only imagine as we truly have a healthy, what I would even say vibrant fear of God, what he can do in and through us. miracles lives changed people coming to know him as Lord what will we do
Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray we respond in this place, God, as you would lead. Do we fear you? Do we honor you? May we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. As they lead us, we sing with them. Respond as he leads. This altar's open. You come. I'll be here. You come. <laughs>